Hi, this is Kanike and Alina, your personal supporters that are here to help you feel truly special. We are on a mission to help you understand your dynamic nature and appreciate your unique talents. By helping you balance your yin and yang energies within, we can foster healing in our global community, one woman at a time. If you want to explore the opportunity to work with us individually, please shoot us an email at herlifecompass at gmail.com. That is H-E-R-L-I-F-E-C-O-M-P-A-S-S at gmail.com. Hello everyone, this is Alina. It's the end of the year, a new year is approaching, and we're just so happy to be here with you, wrapping up 2022. In light of the holidays, we want to spread happiness with you, raise the vibration of the planet, and infuse our global energetic field with more joy, miracles, and magic. Hello everyone, this is Kanike and in today's podcast we are super excited to unpack what happiness is from a neurological standpoint and whether we believe happiness can be created. Personally, I've always been a firm believer that our brain is a program that we have the power to change, meaning that we can rewire and reprogram our thought patterns, beliefs, and fears to benefit us. So yes, I do believe that we can create our happiness. So let's dive into it. Yay! And you know what triggered me, Alina? It's my ex-colleague from my previous company. As a farewell book, she gave me this amazing book. And those of you who haven't read it, maybe it's an opportunity to buy it online and have a go through it because the book is written by Dr. Rick Hansen and it's called Hardwiring Happiness. And whilst reading that book, it blew my mind away and I was like, oh my gosh, everybody should know about what's written in this book. And this is exactly what you said. It's how we can hardwire consciously that state of happiness because it is possible. Okay, let's talk about it. Tell me more. How do we hardwire <laughs> happiness? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because happiness is something strange to our brain because the brain has been evolved. As we said in the previous episodes, as humans and the brain has been shaped by millions of years of our existence. And we have been always operating from the survival standpoint because we wanted to leave right? We wanted to continue and leave as humans. And that's why our brain has always been focused on the danger detectors. You know, what is it that's around me that may threat my survival? And the brain has always been zooming in any threats possible that could undermine their state of security. What it has resulted is over billions of years of existence, we somehow developed within ourselves that negativity bias. And that's why even now, Lina, if you're having a performance conversation with your manager and he or she you would tell you, oh my gosh, you're amazing, you've done this, da 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 but then just one thing you need to work on, there is one element, I want you to be more mindful of this. Where would your focus go, Alina? Would it be on the positive or would it go immediately to the negative? Immediately to the things I have to improve. Uh-huh. And that's not a surprising experience because this is how we are wired by billions of years of us existing as humans. And that's why somehow when everything is perfect, we as humans are like, mm, this is too good to be true. 
something bad is waiting for me there. And that's why that state of happiness is something that is a bit unknown to our brain, but we can create that. The book also speaks about why is it so hard for us to be in that state of happiness. And there are three key reasons that the author shares about. Number one, even when we are happy, we are not really being happy in that moment because the brain continuously scans. Okay, what else is there waiting for me? Okay, it's too good now. There must be something else is waiting for me that's not going to be so good. The second one, even if you are doing a great job, you've accomplished certain things, you are being happy, but we take it for granted. Because we are in a rush. We're living in that environment where things are too fast. And we need to cope with that environment. Yes, everybody's in a rush. We need to do this. We need to do that. When people compliment us, we take it for granted. When people say good things about us, we don't really believe in that. We focus on what we're not good at. And the third aspect, even when we are in that state of happiness and we know we're happy, we don't live in that state for a few more seconds longer. We leave that maybe for five seconds and we like... Okay, but what it results in is that the state of happiness is, does not get to be stored in our long-term memory. It goes, jumps into our short-term memory and then poof, off it goes. In contrast, because of the negativity bias that has been within us for years and years, when something negative happens to us, we dwell on it, we leave it, we think about it, we talk about it. And what it results in, it sort of digs deeper in our brain and extends the existence of that negative thoughts in our brain for years and goes automatically to our long-term memory. So this is fascinating. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting how you said that evolutionary, there's probably a purpose for this negativity bias. And that purpose was survival, literal mm. survival, life or death, mm. which is why our brain tends to navigate towards that aspect of our brain, because we're always focused on danger, 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 fear, 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 which is productive. Mm. It's probably great for motivation. It's probably great for drive. It's probably great for really going for it. But when we talk about that happiness aspect, hmm, we tend to dwell on it. And the more we think about the things we have to fight or survive, the more we dwell in that. So today's podcast really, you know, it's interesting how you mentioned that if we were to dwell in that state of happiness, we cultivate more of it. And the solution sounds so simple to dwell in the moments of joy and celebrate our wins. But again, it's so much easier said than done. And I think from my understanding of happiness and the way I attach it or the way I practice it is learning to appreciate my own talents and strengths. Because like you said, we often take the good things, the good parts in our lives for granted because we believe either one, we're not worthy of it, we try to postpone our happiness or we believe that we don't deserve it and we dwell in the negative. We're mm. all guilty of it, including myself. And so this is why I like that philosophy of strength, Gallup strength finding and working with my talents because it's not only something, you know, that lets me know about my personality or whatever. I use it as a toolbox to lean on them to live into happiness because I'm more happy when I am satisfied, like you said, right? When I feel safe and when I have close bonds with others. And so before discovering strength or working with you, 
I would always try to analyze and focus on my shortcomings, which would feed my imposter syndrome even further. Even sometimes when I think about the concept of self-improvement, the word self-improvement has a double-edged sword because if we're always focused on improving, we're rewiring our brain and our nervous system into thinking that we're not good enough naturally. And ironically, this affects our levels of satisfaction and happiness. 100% Alina and when I coach people and we go through the strength report you know as you know it sort of ranks your strengths on a scale from 1 to 34 people automatically go to the bottom 10 like oh my gosh oh I don't have this oh I don't have that does it mean I don't I can I'm not naturally good at influencing people we are as I said earlier we are wired to look into negative we are wired to focus on our weaknesses yes I mean there is an aspect of DNA there's an aspect of nurturing external circumstances the shape us as humans in this life you know in this as an an individual because some take more positively some take more uh, negatively but the reality is you're not alone Alina and Mm -hmm. on what on the point that you said on the self-improvement piece I think I want people to take it constructively in a sense of I'm not saying now okay stop improving yourself I want you to rephrase it and say I want to develop my strength what does it mean I want you to focus what you're good at what is it that brings you joy and focus on that so as an example this week i started my new job (laughs) congratulations thank you and i am consciously capturing the moments when i am feeling happy and i felt happy when i've been told okay this is a very challenging task that needs to be completed by this period and then they kick off on that period it fired me immediately. I'm happy. I was like, oh, I can feel it physiologically that I am happy, that I'm excited, I'm stimulated, and I'm capturing it. And I know what fires me. And it correlates with my strength of responsibility. You know, I am responsible. I have a goal that I need to complete with achiever and responsibility. And that fires me. So knowing your strength, as you said, it's your toolbox to go in and leverage it when you're feeling down or when you're feeling sad. Go look at your top 10. as like, okay, which one should I activate now that will help me to feel so happy? Mm. I want to go back to a topic you mentioned earlier. So I'm curious, from a neuroscience perspective, can we actually hardwire happiness? We can. (laughs) As we said earlier, in all of our podcasts, we always speak and we always say that you choose, I choose how I want to respond to the situation or whether I choose to react to the situation. And the same applies to happiness. We can hardwire happiness because the brain has that neuroplasticity based on experience. So in the book itself, the author talks about three different stages or components of the brain that correlates to the three core needs. The first, the basic needs that has evolved over billions of years is the need for for security, for safety, which means in practical terms is avoiding harm. The second need is about satisfaction and you can get it through approaching rewards or accomplishing goals or studying or working or doing something that gives you sense of satisfaction and then the third need is about connection or or bonding being part of a social tribe and the author speaks that considering these three core needs of us as humans the brain can be in two different operating states it could be a green state responsive state or a 
red state, reactive state. The difference is when all our core needs of safety, satisfaction, and connection are met, we are in a green state, responsive state, which means nothing really bothers us. We don't get triggered much. Yes, you might overslept the meeting. Yes, you know, you, you're driving along the road and somebody cuts you through. You can hear people crying, somebody screaming, but it doesn't bother you. You are in control and it's easier for you to choose to respond to the situation but <laughs> if one of your needs are not met whether it's safety satisfaction or connection the brain automatically and very quickly goes into the red zone and what does that mean you could be in the same situation you have overslept the meeting or somebody cut you through on the road while you're driving or people are shouting at the back but now they are disturbing you you get bothered you get triggered you get stressed nothing makes you happy and you can no longer choose to respond to the situation, but you automatically react to the situation. And guess what? Nothing makes you happy. Mm. And I'd like to think of the green zone and the red zone as the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And it's important for us to learn to to connect to our parasympathetic nervous system. This is the green zone that you mentioned. This is the zone where we respond to situations versus reacting because our fears and our negativity bias is actually stored in the amygdala, a very small mm. part of our brain that is responsible for our flight and fight response. And like you mentioned, this is where we are easily triggered and not operating mm. from our green zone. And we can, again, emotionally react to a situation or a person if we're out of balance with either of those three phases that you mentioned, those three buckets, the safety, satisfaction, and a need for connection. If any of these are out of balance or feel like we are in depletion, we may be easily triggered. And so when we do practice mindfulness or when we do try to connect to the parasympathetic nervous, which we can connect through mindfulness practices such as breath work, yoga, meditation, going for a walk, connecting with nature, doing something that fills us up in our sensory um, stimulation. It helps us connect and soothe our parasympathetic nervous system. This is us feeding our green zone. This is us operating from our green zone. And this is when we learn to respond to situations, not react to it. We are more present, conscious, and are living truly unapologetically. Yes, and one point that I wanted to add here, very often we mix up the needs of, the, of our brain. So for example, and I could relate to it with lots of people that I've coached where the true genuine need is for being connected, for being accepted, for being liked, is being fed in terms of actions by us, let's say by meeting our second need, satisfaction. So people want to be accepted, but in, instead of building those long-lasting relationships, instead of consciously practicing those relationships, talking, feeling connected, what they're trying to do, they're trying to earn that love through studying through piling up accomplishments through working in the best companies ever and trying to prove listen look at me i'm so worthy of your love look at me i'm achieving this i've done this i've got my bachelor's i've got my master's i've got my phd look at me but the reality is instead of vitamin c that the brain the nature calls for the person is feeding vitamin d which doesn't really meet that need and what it results is human being feeling empty 
unhappy, not worthy of themselves. And, you know, it can result to really bad emotional and psychological issues over a period of time. So all of you who are listening to us now, be very mindful when you are feeling upset or sad or down. What is the true reason to that state and how you can address it with relevant solutions? Mm. And that sounds like it requires a practice where we can go inward and truly reconnect to our emotional need. And one way I can think of doing that is doing a body scan, maybe paying attention to how our body feels and listening to our intuition and asking ourselves, what do we need in this moment? Because like you said, when we compensate for vitamin D with vitamin C, we're depleting ourselves further by overcompensating mm. us, which leads us to True. burnout. This leads mm. us to feelings of emptiness, depression, and deep sadness because we are unaware aware of what we need. So by learning about how our brain operates and what we need to fill in order to feel happy, we can navigate through those difficult situations with the intention to always listen to our body first and foremost, mm. which is very hard to do, but it is possible. And what's fascinating, sorry, I keep talking about this book, but it's just, as I said, mind-blowing. When we are in our green zone, it's amazing how it hormones that are released during that state are actually so helpful in building our immunity. We are more resistant to any diseases. We are stronger emotionally, physiologically. But when we are in the red zone, our immunity drops down because the hormones that are released by our body affects our immunity too. Wow. And that's why it's so important to be in the green zone. That is incredible that everything is connected. It just goes back to proving that our mind, body, souls are truly operating on one. They're all aligned. So in order for us to feel happy, satisfied, and healthy, we need to learn to navigate our emotions, regulate our thoughts, and learn how to reprogram our brain. But great news, it is possible <laughs> through practices like reprogramming, neuro-linguistic wiring, and anchoring system. Kanike, maybe you can dive into this technique. Yes. One of my recent certifications that I got is in neuro-linguistic programming, and I loved it because it helps us to consciously rewire us and put us in the state that we want to be at. So if we think of a specific state, in our case, it's state of happiness, the way we can consciously build that state is through an exercise called resource anchoring and if i can explain it in a simpler terms anchoring it's it's a simile that is linked to a specific experience that you have had during some period of your time for example you can relate to the experience when you are listening to a specific song it automatically brings you that state of nostalgia uh, where you are remembering something or it's associated with some memories or you're eating something or I went to a shopping mall and I felt that smell like, oh my gosh, and it automatically took me back to my childhood. It's like, oh. And those are unconscious anchoring that our brain has captured. And the way it happened, because in that moment, depending on how intense that experience was, what were you doing? Automatically, brain captured it as an anchor point for that moment. What we're doing in neuro-linguistic programming is we are anchoring consciously 
through the physiological activation. So when we say anchoring, it means it could be clench your fist, your right fist, or pinch your left ear, or pull your hair, or do something that will automatically be associated by your brain as your anchor and will pull you in that state of happiness. So it's a very powerful technique in neurolinguistic programming. And me and Alina, we're going to be doing that in a bonus episode, taking you through that experience and helping you to go in that state of happiness. So, so bear with us. How exciting and incredible that neuroplasticity, which means that our brain has the power to create new neuropathways because of neuroplasticity, and as a result, create new belief systems in our subconscious. So you know that saying, nothing is impossible? It truly is. Nothing is impossible because everything is possible with the power of our brain and our awareness that it is possible to create new neuropathways with techniques like neurolinguistic programming that we'll be sharing in bonus two, which is amazing. And for now, I'd love to share my own anchoring technique, as Kaneke mentioned, or the way that I refer to it could be rewiring technique or programming technique that I learned in my yoga teacher training that I find so useful. So after my asana practice of my yoga, so my exercise portion, I take a deep breath and I find a seated position and I take 12 deep breaths in and out through my nose. Fun fact, when we breathe through our nose, it helps us connect to our nervous system, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. So the way I breathe is I take a deep breath in through my nose. I spread my fingers on my hands like a star. So spread them wide and use the index finger of the other hand to follow its contours. So starting at the bottom of your thumb, with your index finger on the outside of your hand, slide your index finger up as you inhale on your thumb, pause at the top, maybe pinch, and then as you exhale, slide your finger down on the other side. Now, sliding your index finger on your second finger, pause, maybe pinch it, and then as you exhale, sliding it down to the other side. So with each breath, the idea is to continue tracing your fingers like this until you have reached the outside of your pinkies. pinky. So going through each finger as you take a deep inhale in to the top, pinch it at the top, and then as you exhale, sliding it down. So you connect it with each breath that you're taking. So what it does for me, it links my external sense of stimuli to my breathing. So when I breathe, I am calming myself down. I'm reconnecting to my parasympathetic nervous system. And because I'm sliding it, I'm externally telling my nervous system to remember that feeling at the top of the pinch. So let's say I'm in a meeting and I'm doing a very important presentation and I can't just take deep breaths in <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> that would be weird. Um, <laughs> but what I can do is I can take my hands and slide them up and down and pinch them. So what I'm doing is I'm activating the same sensory stimuli, but without taking the deep breath because it's already linked 
in my nervous system. How amazing is that? Mm. And this is anchoring. So you've been doing that, you see, consciously through your yoga classes. But this is one of the examples and each one of you can have your own way. As Alina said, what neuroplasticity really is and with the help of neurolinguistic programming exercise that we're going to be doing, we're going to be consciously extending that state of happiness in our brain for a few more seconds longer so that over a period of time it goes to your long-term memory. And what it will help you is to sort of reduce your negativity bias within your, within your brain that's been there for years and start growing the positivity bias within your brain. So all it takes is for you, when you have that state of happiness, when you're experiencing happiness from doing something, from hearing something, from tasting something, whatever, extend that state consciously for a few more seconds longer and whether it's absorbing it or whether it's enriching it, whether it's being in that moment, capturing it. What you're doing, imagine visually in your brain, neural pathways that you create you're sort of digging it deeper and deeper and deeper and it will stay longer in your brain and it goes back to your long-term memory isn't it amazing oh i love that and i'd like to take it even further try journaling so when we're feeling super happy we've had an amazing day we had an amazing feedback at work whatever it might be something that makes you feel so good about yourself so positive you had a great experience you had a great date with your partner you had this amazing bonding experience with your child at the end of the day or in that moment write it down write down your feelings of how it's feeling describe it in every sense if you are not fond of journaling and you'd, you'd rather speak it out, uh, try recording it on your device and transcribing it. The idea is that when you're linking an external senses, so you're you're intentionally writing it down, you're not just thinking about it, you're extending that period of happiness just a little longer, you, your nervous system remembers it a little bit more. And in return, you're dwelling in that moment just a little longer. And speaking of journaling, as a way to wrap up our episode, we'd like to share some journaling prompts, questions that you can ask yourself. Maybe you can journal about it or just maybe reflect on it. So the first question is, can you think of the last time you felt happy? And what specifically about that moment that made you happy? Second question is, if you were to examine the quality of your thoughts right now, either more positive or negative. And last question, if you could ask for anything that would make you happy right now, what would it be and why? Great questions, Alina. And I am 100% sure we put our listeners in a state of like, oh, let me think of the last time when I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee, you know, the moment you, because I do, I do it all the time in my coaching when I ask them, okay, think about, tell me about the last time you felt happy. It's like, oh, I don't remember. But the moment you ask, tell me about the time when you felt upset or angry, they can think of hundred cases or stories when they felt it so quickly. But let's move to our affirmations. And there are three key affirmations that we prepared for you today. I deserve to be happy. Uh, happiness is within me. I have the power to create my own reality. That's all for today. My name is Alina. And my name is Kaneke. Until next time. <laughs>